Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. The only podcast hosted by two brothers discussing comic books. That's been proven by a number of sources. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Kevin Hines. I'm the other host, Will Hines. That's right. And we are both uh, arguably comedians, arguably comic book fans, and arguably brothers. We're definitely brothers. The other two would require some amount of persuasion. And you can argue that we're brothers because we have the same parents and mm-hmm. we look similar and sound it similar. A, it would just be a weird thing to make an argument about. Yeah. People have. Oh, yeah. Lots of people are super invested in our relationship. There's a, there's a Twitter thread right now about how we can't possibly be related. I got to check it out. Yeah. It's uh, mostly Seth Rogen and... Uh, hmm. And uh, Katy Perry. <laughs> wow. They really... We should have better professional opportunities with the celebrities who pay attention to us. They don't like us because we're lying about being brothers is what they say. I see. So uh, we are in the midst of our, I don't know what number season we're on, but the season about the Secret Wars, the Marvel event comic from the mid 80s that kicked off all future Marvel events. Uh, we've covered the first... Uh, what are we, six issues so far? So we're on issues seven and eight today. Yeah. Exciting. This was written by Jim Shooter, mostly drawn by Mike Zeck. And, um, today we're going to cover the issues where Spider-Man gets his black costume. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty underwhelming moment, I would say, given like kind of how momentous it is in the future. It's basically used as a cliffhanger. So like the fun of the costume comes in the next issue and then it's just sort of a thing he wears for the rest of the series. We'll talk more (laughs) about it when we get to it, I suppose. Um, But it's still like a very famous issue. It's probably the most famous issue of the series. Because uh, because it's when he gets his costume yeah. and it's the most famous moment. It's the it's the most lasting effect of this series. It's this covers what you see all the time. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like the biggest. I mean, it, uh, we'll talk about it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I, I could talk all about the black costume now, and I think we'd it'd be a waste. Because then we we'll have to talk about it again when we get to the end, anyway. Um, but normally, there also we, are some fun fights in these two issues. I guess there's fun fights in all the issues. Yeah, I think these. It's nice to have Zach back. Um, he last issue we covered. Well, no, last issue we covered. He was back already, right? We covered six. He was on six as well. Um, I'm posting issue images from issues four by Bob Layton, and they're good. But I miss Zach, so it's nice seeing Zach's art again. Um, yeah, he's. He's doing some really good work in this issue, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, normally we start by me just quickly recapping uh, ish, an issue that we're not going to go in depth about. And that today, that's issue seven. That's right. You ready for that, Will? I'm ready for the recap. Great. Let's do it. Uh, so when we left off, Reed Richards was looking to the sky at Galactus going, oh, no. Right? Is that where we left off? No, that was two issues ago. What are we up to now? That was two issues ago. Um, this Oh, this one left uh, left off with a shadowy figure stalking the heroes. Yes, in a Spider-Woman-like shape. Yes. Uh, so this issue reveals that it's Spider-Woman, uh, but not the original Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew. This is a new one. Julia Carpenter 
though that identity is not known at this point. She's just another spider woman. Uh, so she arrives, she meets the heroes, uh, the red truck thing that captured the wasp and the lizard last issue shows up at the hero's camp and tosses mm-hmm. the wasp out at everybody. Uh, Zaji, the village healer, can't help wasp. Uh, meanwhile, Volcana. And she's pronounced dead. She's pronounced, wasp is pronounced dead. That's right. Um, yes. The heroes are sad. Uh, uh, they want to go get revenge, but Cap says, we can't. We got to watch Galactus. Uh, meanwhile, Volcana gets Enchantress to teleport her to Molecule Man, who has been hurt in a fight with the X-Men and is not yep. with the villains. So Volcana promises to do anything Enchantress asks and gets teleported to Molecule Man. But once she gets there, the X-Men attack again. The X-Men, feeling hot after their only victory from the Secret Wars, are really <laughs> hounding these villains. Uh, they fight for a while. Wolverine cuts off Absorbing Man's arm. Uh and the villains kind of run off and the heroes sort of scared them, I guess. It doesn't, not really much happens there other than they fight for a while. It's kind of a cool fight. Uh, yeah. Doom's plan to launch a bunch of volcanoes that Cyclops actually did didn't work. It didn't distract Galactus long enough because Galactus still notices a Doom is on his ship and shoots him out the side and plummets him to the planet. Uh, Doom beat up, returns to the villains. Uh, meanwhile... A She-Hulk shows up at the villain's base and attacks the Wrecking Crew, and then all the other villains sort of gang up on She-Hulk. Uh, back at the hero's base, Zaji collapses in the Colossus's arms, who's in love with her. And uh, uh, meanwhile, the X-Men contact the heroes and say, hey, we'll watch Galactus so you guys can go rescue She-Hulk and get revenge, because heroes are all about revenge. And that's yep. the whole uh, issue. That's right. And it ends with the heroes rushing off to beat the crap out of the villains for killing Wasp. That's right. Um, yeah. Any uh, any highlight from that issue for you, Will? Yeah. Um, Absorbing Man getting his arm cut off. I forgot about that. That's kind of a... I like how brutal Wolverine is, you know, compared to everybody else. Everyone else, like, socks you in the face or knocks you unconscious. Wolverine, like, tried to murder Molecule Man, and he just, like, lopped off Absorbing Man's arm. Yeah, it's cool, and they, they take some time on it. Like, Observing Man freaks out. Like, Observing Man is, like, made of rock or steel at the time. Uh, so it doesn't he doesn't bleed or anything, but he is, you know, stunned by it. <laughs> and um, he goes back to it, like, spend a few panels with him going back to the base and, like, holding it up where it's supposed to go and turning human again, going, I hope this works. And yeah. it does. Uh, but he didn't know. And just spending those few moments really does... It makes that character That's, seem... This is my first experience with Absorbing Man. I was like, this character's cool. Um, and Secret Wars is kind of good at just like... I mean, what I've been thinking as I read it is just like, it is fun, like, action figure stuff. It's like stuff you would think about if you were playing action figures. Like, you just sort of play with the powers. You don't worry too much about subtle <laughs> conversational dialogue, you know? Yeah. And somebody getting their arm cut off... I don't know. That's just like something you think about when you're kind of just like focused on the powers and the fun part of the superheroes. Yeah. You want to see Wolverine slice somebody with his claws. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick, I was going to be my pick. I think that's, that's the best moment from that issue, but I like the moment also where She-Hulk shows up at the villain's base. There's like a moment where Titania catches She-Hulk and the wrecking crew is just laid out. All four of them are out cold. Yes. And it's it for a moment there it just looks like oh She Hulk's gonna take them all down. Yes. I mean she's a Hulk. 
She's a Hulk and she's um, filled with vengeful rage, which uh, we know from video games and other comic books makes you super strong. Uh, it doesn't I mean she ends up losing, but it, for a moment there, I thought she was going to win. Yeah. It's also kind of fun when Doom just gets expelled from Galactus's ship, like just so casually. Yeah, I mean, there's plot holes galore. Like his plan didn't really make sense. Why Cyclops helped him doesn't make sense. Um, he gets ejected, but he was there a long time. What was he trying to do? He didn't really seem to accomplish anything while he was there. Yeah. Uh, but it's still a cool visual moment. Same thing with like the red truck showing up at the hero's base. How'd they know where the heroes were? Why'd they right. toss Wasp at them? Where'd they get this truck again? And how is it so cool or whatever? Yeah. Why do we never see it again? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. I don't know why they're not bothering me. Like, I just doesn't bother following me either. the fun. It doesn't bother me either. I probably wouldn't even notice it that much if I didn't like... I read it a couple weeks ago, and now I'm reading it again for this podcast. So it's like now I'm seeing everything a second time. So some of these things are just sitting with me a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and plus, we're discussing I mean, it in detail. So then, like, those details help me, like, really look at it closely. And I'm like, oh, this none of this makes sense. But none yeah. of that really matters. I, I'm sort of as we read these issues and I'm really enjoying them. I love it. Um, sort of like constantly evaluating like what makes it bad, but then what makes it work despite those bad things? Um, you know, I'm kind of like trying to monitor my own feelings to sort of be like, why doesn't because sometimes plot holes really bother me. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes logical leaps really bother me. And I don't know. I guess it's because the basic premise of a bunch of heroes fight a bunch of villains sounds fun. And it is fulfilling that promise. Yeah. We're seeing lots of heroes and villains and they're, and they're using their powers in tricky ways. Um, yeah. And so I guess I'm like, since it's doing the thing it said it would, I forgive it a lot of, uh, you know, errors and, downstream. And not everybody's getting a big moment, but I would say every character gets at least a small moment. Like nobody is just, Filling out the ranks that much. Yeah. Uh, even like, you know, like, I don't know. Hawkeye even gets a couple moments and Reed gets some moments and uh, Lizard gets some moments. Like everyone kind of gets a moment at least. It's, it's very yeah. fair in that sense. Some characters get more uh, and they deserve it because they're better characters. Yeah. The premier characters are getting most of our attention. <laughs> um, so you want to talk about issue eight? I do. Uh, so this cover is iconic, and mm -hmm. it's uh, Spider-Man in his black costume, uh, standing sort of posing in shock about his costume while everyone else fights behind him. He's not involved in the fight for some reason. And yeah. there's a very funny caption underneath it. Amid the chaos, there comes a costume. <laughs> yeah, but by the time this issue came out, like, we had seen the black costume in the regular Spider-Man comics. And these were comics that you and I were reading regularly. Mm -hmm. And we, we were, everybody was waiting to see the explanation of how it happened. So this kind of was a big deal. And I, I, I mean, I, I said it before when we first started this season, I love this costume. I looking at it on the cover. I'm like, this looks really cool. It looks like a yes. cool, cool costume. What a risky move replacing like the most iconic costume, probably in your whole roster of characters yeah it's got to be the hardest costume to replace uh maybe captain america's would be the only other one that comes close that like if you drastically changed cap it would look very weird yeah yes I mean, but and I, they have so 
Cap Cap's costume is iconic, also, but Captain America's not as big as Spider-Man. No, of course not. So, but I mean, like, who else is like visually like the thing is visually? I guess if you change the thing to be like made of uh, uh, belly buttons Good. or something, that would be truly weird. That'd be a really weird move. Yeah. Um, I guess when they made the Hulk gray, that was kind of a taking one of their iconic characters. I mean, yeah. When I think the Hulk, the Hulk is green, right? Yes. Like, they did not replace the default Hulk look, even though he was gray for how long? Years, right? Uh, I mean, he's gray one issue initially. Oh. He was green initially, in too. In the Peter David. Oh, yeah, he was Hulk. gray for a while once he turned gray. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking of that one. Like, yeah, I thought, you said, I thought you meant like, even though he had been gray before. No. Um, I don't know. So, yeah. What, what a gutsy move. I mean, I. I don't know. So I would say coloring is a little different than this costume, which is just an overhaul beyond like the eyes. Yeah. It's almost a different costume. It's pretty cool. And it, it looks great. And I think Zach nails this cover. Uh, and it's, uh, it is very exciting, even though, as you said, it barely plays, it barely shows up in this issue overall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but a, what a great cover. This is, this is the Secret Wars cover. Yeah. Uh, we open with the heroes flying towards the villain's base. Iron Man does a lot of, like, lifting rocks with all the heroes standing on it. Yeah, the non-flying heroes. Uh, and Reed's always stretching, which has got to make it tough to balance. But um, <laughs> Just unnecessarily stretching and pointing. Yeah, he's like, go that way. It's like, we know. Yeah. We know. Spidey's always riding the Hulk. Yeah, they're friends. Maybe it's just because he's the most agile, so it's not so scary for him to hold on to the Hulk or something. I mean, yeah, he can, he's can. he got sticky fingers. Um, that's got to be the most uncomfortable way to travel. I know Rick Jones used to do it, but it's up and down, bouncing. Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. to really get shaken up by that. Oh, yeah. You gotta, if, you have a, if you need Dramamine, make sure you take it before you ride the Hulk. It'd be a smoother ride to ride on Thor's back. Yeah, he's like just, just, just shooting there along. Yeah. You know, I, Thor, when he flies, he always, like, points the hammer out ahead of himself, right? Well, he throws the hammer, and the hammer pulls him. Okay. So the hammer is kind of like the engine that's making him fly? I think so. Uh, so he should really not be—he's doing a major plank, then, to keep himself horizontal with the hammer. Yeah, or he's being yanked so fast. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm going to go with plank. Okay. <laughs> you think he is just, he's flying slowly, but holding his feet up in the air. He's just like with, just with his shoulder mm-hmm. holding up the rest of his body even. Yeah. Um, the heroes arrive at the villain's base and. Uh, Enchantress for some reason is drunk, right? <laughs> she's like been, I don't think she was getting drunk in the previous issue, but now she's throwing him back and like. Yeah. She's just had it. She's bored. It's a quarantine. She's locked down. <laughs> Uh, Thor, she thinks Thor is dead, at least initially. Um, so she's sad about that. And, you know, he didn't kiss her um, and fall under her spell. She's sad about that. But, yeah, she uh, is a fun, drunk. There's a fun phrase here. Because earlier in the series, she almost kissed Thor, but that they were interrupted. Mm-hmm. And she's thinking about that moment. She says, were we not interrupted just then? You would have kissed me, fool. And then you would have been mine. Mine, ensnared by the seductive, sorcerous power of my lips. Uh, if I ever get married, those are going in the wedding vows. Okay, interesting, interesting. I'll be. I am ensnared by the seductive sorcerer's powers of your lips. Uh, she is so drunk, really she funny. falls down. Yeah, uh, so it's over Thor's supposed death that she's sad. Uh, it's unclear. Maybe she's just a Norse god, and they just like to throw back the mead once in a yeah. while. Yeah, um, you know, 
Volcana hears the uh, explosion of the heroes entering, but she won't leave Molecule Man's side. She's protecting him. Uh, then we get a little interlude with Lizard and Claw, the two most ridiculous of the villains, I think. Right. The Lizard had been retrieved by Dr. Doom for his plan of nothing. Uh, <laughs> and Claw had been brought back to life by Doom and sent here to send the villains to get Lizard. And none of that makes sense. But that they're friends, that's perfect. Yeah, Lizard's like this lisping, raving maniac. And Claw is an, he's echoing, like he speaks in an echo, I think. Yes. Mad, add, add, I love of the way you talk, says Claw to Lizard. Yeah. He likes like free the lizard away. for no reason other than because he liked the way he talked. <laughs> that's less of a plot hole than what Doom's doing on Galactus. Sure, ship. sure. I love it. No, like that's that's friendship. Uh, we see the villains just beating the crap out of She-Hulk. And yeah. I guess this took place. I don't know where this takes place in relation to the Avengers Mansion takeover. There's a beatdown like this on Hercules in that series that was truly brutal that left Hercules um, out of commission for a while. She-Hulk she bounces back pretty quick from this, but uh, it's brutal looking. Uh, it looks totally um, terrible, and then it ends with Doc Ock like just sort of um, body slamming her head first into a steel-like piece of debris. Yeah, I mean, Doc Ock seems vicious in this comic. Um, I guess they don't check to make sure she's dead because she's not dead. She's not dead. No, um, we cut. We we check in on Doom, who is still on fire, or <laughs> 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 at least smoldering. I don't know. It's... I mean, in all the issues we've covered with Doom, like for a dude that is the most arrogant character in the Marvel universe. And, like, pretty powerful. We, he always gets the crap beat out of yeah. him. Right? Yeah. We've seen him ejected into space, shrunk into nothingness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's usually going, no! Yeah. You could argue he And now he is, like, on fire, just like just like lying down on a bed. Yeah. I mean, he is just spent. You could argue he's overreaching is why, you know, if he, had, if he set his sights a little lower, he'd be dominant. But, uh... Yeah. But yeah, he is on. He went after Galactus. Yeah. He's not joining the fight because he's too busy burning. <laughs> so he's lying down on a pretty, some nice white sheets there. Look, they look like it's a well appointed bed he's, that Beyonder has provided for these guys. A thing about uh, superhero, the heroes. A thing about superhero comics is the heroes, when there's flying characters and walking characters, or this is yeah. also true for the Flash super fast characters. Whenever there's a shot, like they're all in the shot and the flying and, and super fast characters are always just now getting ahead. But like yeah. they're constantly just racing ahead. Yes. They're just like the head at the head of the pack, basically. Yeah. But, but they like, should be like a hundred times for They should have gotten here like minutes before the other. Yeah, heroes. Captain Marvel moves at the speed of light. <laughs> uh, Human Torch and Iron Man are very fast and they're faster than Captain America's walking. There's no question. Anyway, uh, they burst through the wall. The Hulk punches a hole and everyone flies in. Uh, yeah. There's, a, there's some, some fun fight stuff happening here, Will. Yeah, we get Iron Man versus the Wrecker a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, the Torch, unfortunately, flies directly under a vat of water. That's a bummer of a move. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, how is he supposed to know there's a big, that ball, big ball, random ball in the air <laughs> was filled with water? There's no reason. Reed catches him just know. like always. That's Reed's job. It's just so funny when you have a superhero whose power is one thing, like the story has to create a circumstance that like isolates your particular power, you know? 
uh, Spidey. Hey, uh, Waterman, where are you headed? Oh, I'm in going into the paper towel factory. I'm sure nothing will happen <laughs> to me in there or whatever. Uh, Spider-Man knocks out or punches out. I think, yeah, he knocks out Piledriver and Absorbing Man is impressed by this. I guess they've never met. Uh, but he's also impressed that he can't seem to land a hit on Spider-Man. Spider-Man's spider senses are impressing him. This is issue's got a lot of everyone, all the villains sort of being wowed by how powerful Spider-Man is. Yeah, you think they would know by now, but I guess word hasn't gotten... I guess if you're not one of the, like, mafia heads of New York City, you wouldn't have run into Spider-Man. Yeah, only the, only the Magia know, right? Yeah, the Magia, they know they easily know how powerful Spidey is. So Absorbing Man absorbs some steel, goes after the thing, but then the thing turns back to Ben Grimm, which he did in issue two or something. Yeah. And he says, What a revolt and development. This time he's right. It is a revolt and development. It is revolting, yeah. But now our new Spider Woman, who seems to have Spider Man's powers, um, gets involved and starts and throws around Absorbing Man. What what is the story with her powers? How did she get them? I don't know. It's not explained in this series. It is explained at some point, I think probably in West Coast Avengers, but I never read that, so I don't know. Okay. She eventually joins West okay. Coast Avengers. That's all I know about her. Uh, I'm just quickly looking at the Wikipedia page, what it says in the fictional character biography, although this this sometimes this tells you the chronological story of the hero, but that could be told over like 30 years in Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. But it says that she, in college of in Denver volunteered to be part of an experiment and they accidentally injected her with a mix of spider venom and exotic plant extracts. What are the odds that she (laughs) and also the other spider woman, Jessica Drew, who also had a different origin, would get the same power set as such similar powers as Spider-Man? Yeah. It's, I don't know. I'd say low odds. Yeah, low odds. I mean, they're all spider-related origins, so I guess (laughs) that ties it in. I mean, and and Spider-Man is such a convoluted and weird power set. Yes. You know what I mean? For like multiple people to be given the, the, you know, the power of super speed, for example, weirdly seems more plausible because like, yes, we have fast people in the regular world. And so just, you just, you know, amplify that or whatever. And it's one power. Yeah. But this is like a combination of agility strength, but you do not get like 12 eyeballs and, you know, eight, appendages nobody questions like when a hero is strong like it's like okay yeah there's lots of strong heroes it's also weird when superman powers are replicated identically right when it's like someone has heat vision unless they're from krypton if they have like like that the martian manhunter can fly and his heat vision and is strong and is fast and it's like and he's got more powers on top of that but it's like you got all the superman powers flying and strength and heat vision don't necessarily all go together yeah, that's right. But somehow, be, once a character becomes popular and it's in the consciousness, it's just like, oh, no, that's the thing. If you can fly and you're strong, you better check for heat vision. You might have that, too. I mean, there are currently like eight people in the Spider-Man comics with the ex- almost exact same power set as Spider-Man. Yeah. And again, except for the strength, it's not super useful. Like, if you don't live in an urban environment, web swinging is definitely not that useful. Uh, right? Like, Spider-Sense and fighting and... The strength, that's great. Yeah. Wall I, I'm cr- telling you, Spidey in LA would not be, he would be grounded a lot of the Wall time. crawling is okay. Wall crawling is pretty good if there's walls, but if you're in the desert, that doesn't matter. And he'd be a bad a desert hero. Yeah. Anyways. The Flash would be good in all these environments. Sure. Superman does well anywhere. Yeah. 
Uh, Batman, I don't think, would do great in uh, a desert. Well, he'd, he'd have to re- reveal some costume that he had planned decades mm-hmm. ago or something. Some, like, short-sleeved and shorts Batman costume. So Batman would do great in L.A., I think. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe get he'd stuck be, in traffic. He'd have to use the Batwing more. He'd be terrific in L.A., though. Just, like, a noir detective roaming around these streets. He'd be great. He might get too distracted by, like, trying to, like, sell a movie script. I've been analyzing what scripts you're buying, and on the back computer, I've developed the perfect pilot. But then the execs are like, eh. <laughs> like, can you go, What's your story? Can you go fight the Joker? And he's like, I'm really more interested in this sitcom idea I came up with. Yeah. Um, it's a really rich guy. <laughs> but, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. Butler. I don't know, Batman. We want to hear your story. I can't tell him that this is my story. Um. Anyway, Spider Woman beats Absorbing Man. Yeah. And then the Wrecking Crew is tries to do some damage, but like Hawkeye takes out. I forget. I don't know which of the Wrecking Crew. Yeah, I don't know which guy this who. is either. He's the the guy white and a, a, a red cowl gets shot. The red cowl gets shot with an arrow on the shoulder. That slows him yeah. down. Thor ties up Doc Hawk like he's a shoe. Yeah. Uh, the Hulk. And then the Enchantress sobers up. And is and charms the Hulk. Yeah, charms the Hulk into falling asleep with her sort of magical charm powers. That then but Captain like America shows energy. up. Captain America shows up, and he's not he's not able to be charmed. Right, the Enchantress. Am I not beautiful? Come to me. Captain America could give a crap. Yep, he's, um, he doesn't notice when he's fighting. He doesn't. He's not attracted to men or women. Well, part of being the super soldier is you can retract your dick into your body and not have yeah. any sexual desire when that's necessary. That, that way, in case Hitler ever got really hot, you you know, that, that the original formula, that was the power. Yeah, that's all they were trying to give him is that power, and they accidentally <laughs> gave him super strength. Yeah. Uh, this will make you, you will never be aroused by bad guys or Nazis. Oh, great. Oh, well, we also made you real strong. Oh, look, and the indestructible shield. Here, try. These things all work try. well together. Yeah, let's put these together. Uh, Cap knocks out Enchantress by like hitting her in the face with a shield, which is just <laughs> rude. Yeah, but she deserves it, right? She's she's been going pretty hard after a lot of uh, after a lot of these good guys. Uh, now we come to a really cool fight that's very memorable to me, is where Spider-Man takes on Titania. Uh, Titania is the new supervillain that Doom created. That is just very egotistical. Wants to just fight constantly. Doesn't thinks all these other villains are wimps for not fighting enough. Right. And these she's been a villain for a maybe lot. a week. Yeah. She's surrounded by like Doc Ock and the Wrecking Crew. And she's like, you guys aren't aggressive enough. <laughs> the weapons like, are just bludgeoning crew. weapons. <laughs> uh, so she's getting ready to drop an, an enormous, an enormous beam on the hero's head. And then Spider-Man comes up and kicks her in the back and a fight begins. Yeah. And they have a two page fight, which is actually a lot of real estate in a, comic that has like a hundred characters yeah it's a lot of real estate for one fight uh she tries to punch him uh, and rips apart this beam and like destroys the floor and he's just sort of dodging it all um we cut away as she's about to sandwich him under another piece of rubble uh, there's a really funny piece of dialogue i wanted to point out yeah here. sure uh spidey versus titania so when he first kicks her in the back she goes what spider-man and he goes, the world famous one. Do you surrender? <laughs> that is funny. 
I don't know. Like I just, you know, give it a shot. Ask if she'll quit right away. This could be over. It's very funny. <laughs> and that seems like intentionally funny too, which is great. I think I think that's actually Jim Shooter making a good joke. That's we great. Gotta give him credit. That's great. Uh, yeah. We cut away to Hawkeye and Ben Grimm, no longer the thing, running down a hallway. Yeah, uh, and they, Ben Grimm still looks pretty strong. Like he doesn't seem to have like a, he's not a bad guy to have on no. your side. It's the only time where you notice that the thing just kind of fights uh, crime in his underwear. When he turns into Ben Grimm and he's just in his under or underpants, tidy whiteies, yeah. it's yeah. it's noticeable. And like all superhero underwear, it can shrink to fit the civilian form or expand to fit wow. the monstrous. Form. I mean, the FF have the unstable molecule patent. Yes, unstable molecules is just one of the great Stan Lee inventions. Yes, yeah. every superhero in the Marvel universe now wears it. I don't know how they all get a, a, a piece of it, <laughs> but it explains every any power set that like transforms you or lights you on fire, or like. <laughs> Unstable molecules. When I was a kid, that like worked for me. When sure. I was like eight, reading Marvel comics, I'm like, oh, unstable molecules. Yeah, that answers that question. It still works for me. And on that, <laughs> let's take a break. Let's take a break. For this word from unstable molecules. <laughs> hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at ScrewItSpidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at ScrewItComics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's ScrewItComics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. So just enter code MILKSOP and get 20% off your order for Unstable Molecule dish towels. Yep. Give them a shot. They wash. If your dishes transform in size while you're doing the dishes, your unstable molecule dish towel will have no problem adapting. You can wash uh, lava rocks, and you can also <laughs> wash ice cubes, and it, uh, they can handle you it can all. You can wash vibranium or adamantium. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if eternity drops by and he needs you to, you know, to, like, clean his star cloak, no problem. Yeah, they're great for that. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, Ben Grimm and his tidy white, he's a speedo, and Hawkeye uh, come upon Claw and the Lizard, and they they think and Hawkeye's out of arrows, and Ben Grimm doesn't have rocks, and they're this nervous. Is a funny exchange too, yeah. Uh, so they're surrounded by Claw and Lizard, and Ben goes, "Any ideas, Hawk?" And Hawkeye goes, "Well, I guess we have to outwit him." And Ben goes, "Us?" That's kind of funny. Yeah, like does that. That that plays off this. Yes, it does play off this issue. I just want to it make sure that get, gets. I couldn't remember that got resolved next issue or not. Um, it gets paid off very soon. Great. But we cut to Molecule Man and Volcana, who are the heroes are about to reach them, and um, I was kind of interested. It's like, well, how do you make a fight with Molecule Man even fair? Because he can control everything, but he's wounded, mm-hmm. so he's he's just playing defense here. Yes. Um, uh, Volcana just like erupts an enormous amount of flame through a doorway. Iron Man tries to go through it, uh, but it, it takes it, it takes him out of the fight. He's basically completely useless by the time he gets through, and Molecule Man has thrown up a force field. 
Yeah, and he just like opens up little little holes for her to shoot her like whatever volcani energy out of mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Reed burns his hands moving uh, Iron Man out of the way. You see the sound effect as he does that. Yeah. Um, but then Captain Marvel, since she can turn to light and this is a transparent force field, she can go right through it when she's light. Right. And she starts to choke Molecule Man and then realizes he's been wounded, which she didn't want to hurt anyone when she started choking him. I thought that was strange. Yeah. Like, isn't it okay to wound the heroes? You know, it's like Batman rules. Like, you can't kill them, but you are allowed to, like, beat the crap out of them. Yeah, right? yeah. Batman will never shoot anyone, but he will break every bone in your body. Yeah. He'll break your femur in, like, ten places and, like, go over the anatomy of what he's doing to you and take your, like, vertebrae nerve and, like, tie it around your thumb or something. But he's like, but I shall not kill. Uh, we cut back to the Titania Spider-Man fight that's still going. It's really fun. Uh, she's like, impossible. Nobody can move that fast. Nobody else, says Spider-Man. And the Spidey goes in a little speech of how great his powers are, basically. Yeah. With a little room to operate, no one can lay a glove on me. Not the X-Men, not the Absorbing Man, and not you. How do you think I've survived all this time? Uh, can a- I just say, Spidey's the inks on Spidey here. People, when they ink Spider-Man, they make him look like Steve Ditko's inking him. Like, I think he is inked differently than other characters are inked. Hmm. I know this issue has three different inkers anyway, so maybe just this page does. But, like, uh, I don't know. Just like when Spidey says, how do you think I've survived all this time? That really looks like a Steve Ditko drawing of Spider-Man. Yeah, I could see that a little bit. Uh, Just the shadows and stuff and uh, more than, like, a John Boos schema. (laughs) And... um, Pushema, and whereas uh, Titania doesn't necessarily look like a Ditko character. I don't know. I, oh, interesting. I don't see it, it as a, much, but I, I uh, accept that observation from you. Thank you. Uh, this is a memorable line for me. This line has stayed with me all these years, which is where she's like, no, it's not fair. And he goes, but if we were fighting in a broom closet, that'd be fair, right? Like that idea that, um, you know, just because you didn't get to pick the battlefield... Oh, that stayed with you, huh? Yeah. Interesting. It's it's also interesting that, like, he has the opposite argument with the vulture sometimes. Where, like, the vulture's up in the air, and Spider-Man's like, if I could just contain him, I could fight him. But here, like, Spider-Man's sort of in between those sorts of things. Uh, but this, yeah, this moment uh, stays with me a lot. This whole fight is very memorable to me. Uh, memorable to me. Yeah, it's a good one. He throws her out. It's funny that the, the, the new wall. characters are, I mean, I don't know what their story is in terms of their character or their personality, but they're fun in this series. Yeah, they're really fun. Uh, he throws her out a wall and she collapses <laughs> to the ground. Uh, Says not fair. And I will say this, like for years afterwards, whenever Titania meets <laughs> Spider-Man in Marvel Comics, she gets scared. She has like PTSD from fighting Spider-Man. Oh, really? She still has this ego and confidence, but when she sees Spider-Man, she sort of shrivels up and shrinks. Because he beat her so hard. Wow. I don't know if it's still true, but it was for a long time. It's kind of fun when a moment, because continuity, because things reset so much in comics. It's fun when something kind of sticks. Um, Uh, Human Torch lets us know who this guy was. I got shot with an arrow. His name is Piledriver. I thought the other guy was Piledriver, so I don't know who the guy with the metal cap is. I can't keep track of these guys. Now Ultron's in the mix. That's right. And Ultron is Doom's personal bodyguard. Right. Now it's like a Torch versus Ultron fight here. Yeah. 
Uh, and Torch just does what he always does when he faces something that's hard to beat. He goes Nova. Yeah, and Cap just hides behind his shield, which is like, so he's next to the force of, an, of a, like, a sun, right? Like, Nova is like an exploding star. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be unbelievably hot. And, like, I believe that he's not getting right hit there. by the direct blast, but he should still be toasty. I mean, he, he melts the room. Yeah. Um, but it's one of these things where if Cap's hiding behind his shield, he just doesn't get hurt. Yep. And the torch has taken Ultron out of commission. So right. So Cap, Nova blast. so Cap goes into the last room finally to face Dr. Doom, the, the leader of the villains. And he's so, Doom is so pathetic and frankly mentally occupied that Cap just leaves him alone. Yeah, he thinks he's harmless. He's still smoking. He's no longer on fire, but he's still smoking. He also hasn't moved. He's in the same pose we saw him last when he was on fire. Like one hand on the mattress and his hand holding his head. Like he hasn't moved. Yeah. He's also holding his head, but like his arm's not not resting resting on anything. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. Maybe his armor seized up. There might be something wrong with him. So much to check on him. (laughs) Uh, Then we see what happened to Ben Grimm and... Hawkeye fighting Lizard and Claw. They defeated them by playing patty cake with them. <laughs> they convinced these guys to play patty cake. That's also very memorable to me, that panel of them all playing patty cake. Um, Yeah, somehow he got Lizard and Claw not just to play patty cake, but to be very emotionally invested in it. Yeah. Like the Lizard said, like Mr. Fantastic, Spidey and Hulk burst in. And the lizard says, disturb our games, and the lizard will destroy you. Once we finish, we will do as you say. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so I guess I guess they're defeated. Ben says, I mean, uh, we arrived. Secret Wars, is, Secret Wars is fun. We arrived at a meeting of the minds, so to speak, is what Ben Grimm says, and I love it. <laughs> we, don't, we didn't see that conversation. There's no conversation that would be able to believably get me to this point, and I'm very happy we got to this point. Yeah. It's fun. Then they find She-Hulk and she is alive, but like I su- assume severely like injured. Right. And so they, uh, Captain Marvel um, finds her and then we cut to the sort of the hero's lair where she's in one of those healing tube things. Mm-hmm. I say Captain Marvel might be one of the few characters who doesn't really get a big moment or a small moment in this series. She just sort of flies around yeah. and, and notices things. She did take care of Molecule Man, right? Like she got through the transparent force. It, but it wasn't like framed up like a big theatrical moment. I'd like I her to have a bigger moment. She's a cool character. Yeah. Uh, all the uh, villains are now trapped, including Doom. Doom is locked, safely locked away, Thor tells us. Right. So now the battle's over and the, the heroes are licking their wounds, but the, the villains have been captured. Right. So now we kind of have to do a little catch up with exposition of our other loose ends. Right. Uh, Hawkeye and Captain Marvel need to go back and get Wasp's body. Yeah. To give her a funeral worthy of an Avenger, says Thor. Uh, Colossus, who caught a collapsing Zaji last issue, uh, still racing her to her hut to help her. Uh, and he uses like this sort of a vape. A pen that uh, Johnny <laughs> a and mind she melt had used. Pen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how Colossus knows about it. I doubt Johnny told him, but somehow Colossus yeah. heard about By it. By the way, if she ever falls out of love with me and falls in love with you, you might want to use the mind meld vapors in her room to hang out. Uh, so he does that. Gets a quick recap on last issue. A little late for that, um, but then sees that Zaji went back to Wasp and poured all of her life energy into the Wasp and saved her. Yeah, but in doing so killed herself 
Um, she's not dead, right? She's just sleeping Zanji? nearly at the cost of... Uh, I mean, according to what Colossus is saying on this page, saved her life nearly at the cost of your own. Hmm. Sleep, my beautiful, beloved Zaji. That's what, that's what he's saying here. I was not under the impression she was dead. Oh, she is, though, I'm pretty sure. Maybe she's not dead yet. But uh, she's oh not. Boy. She doesn't come back after this. Oh, wow. uh, we cut to Hawkeye and Captain Marvel finding the wasp sitting up totally fine. Okay. Um, and she makes Kevin. You love this joke, oh, man. Um, it's very Stan. Wasp sits up. Oh no, no! I just realized I don't have any makeup on, and my hair must be a mess. Oh goodness. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, I don't. I mean, I'm a dude, but like. I don't mind if it's one female character making jokes. I mean, in Stan's day, that was his go-to for any character who was a woman, right? Yes. Yeah. A lot of characters talked like this and sort of swooned over people. The Wasp's yeah. still doing it. It's just that she's been, an, she's the leader of the Avengers. She's been a leader <laughs> for so long. If she was doing it a little bit, um, yeah. ironically, with a, like a wink, I'd enjoy it a lot more. But it seems very sincere in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I guess the good news is Wasp is alive. We did not lose Wasp. Nope. Uh, this ain't no crisis. We're not going to kill Supergirl or Barry Allen or whatever. I mean, nobody dies, right? No, None of the... I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, when they made Secret Wars, they were still wondering if it was going to be... They weren't thinking it was going to be the huge hit that it was, so they didn't do anything permanent. It's weird that it's become, like, such a standard thing for event comics to be like, well, you got to kill a couple people, or it's not an event. Yeah, uh, Secret Wars didn't do it. Secret Wars didn't do it, and I don't think it suffers for that. Like, that's not if there's a problem with this comic, it's not that you end it. And you go, nobody died, right? Uh, we see the X Men are still watching Galactus. That's nice of them. Yeah, they're keeping an eye. Although Rogue is like seriously lounging. <laughs> yeah, like, Rogue and Storm are really just like chilling out. <laughs> I mean, Professor X and Cyclops are typing like mad at the big computer screen, but is this the ship? Stormer. Is this a ship they're in? That's a huge room. Yeah, it's the ship. That's an enormous room for a spaceship. Yeah, you're right. That's not good design. That's a real Doctor Who spaceship. Yeah, bigger on the inside. Um, so Galactus, they're wondering what he's doing. We get a, a classic pointing at Galactus, saying, "Look." <laughs> But not yeah, seeing what there. Galactus is doing. And what he's doing is what he's always doing. Preparing to eat a planet. <laughs> uh, I mean, Nightcrawler's so shocked he drops his big ball of bread. <laughs> they should know it's coming. Then we see Reed uh, working on Iron Man. This is another um, moment that I think about constantly. I'm curious. Were you surprised there was a black man under the metal? Uh, no, I never gave it a thought. I knew there was a man under there. That's what I knew there says. was a man under there is how you should read it. Oh, yeah, he's making a point. He's like, I knew it wasn't a woman, and that's all I cared about. <laughs> Have you read my comics? I'm a sexist, not a racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it was this moment, like, I don't think I knew that James Rhodes was black. I didn't know who James Rhodes was. I don't Rhodes think I was. did either. I don't think I did either when I read um, when I read Secret Wars. I probably was expecting it to be Tony Stark. Uh, so I don't think, like, I, I probably didn't even, even though I'd seen the cartoon, I probably didn't really think about who was under there that much. I mean, they had already sort of revealed that it was somebody different underneath there throughout this series. But uh, this panel is just sort of like, oh, yeah, so that's cool. Um, not like in a, I'm glad he is, just like, I'm like Reed. I was like, I didn't think about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's sad that the representation is so uh, low in comics that they have to make a comment about this, but... 
Yeah. Um, yes, I was trying to think, like, is Marvel ahead of its time? I love Marvel Comics so much that I want it to be ahead of its time, but it, it probably wasn't. I mean, it's not ahead of its It's certainly not ahead of its time. It's probably right in its time where it's like, oh, they're introducing some black characters just when you better be. <laughs> right, right, right. Um because I mean, uh, even Black like, what, like I wouldn't say like Black Panther was ahead of his time, right? Like, it, he wasn't the lead of a comic; he was a character, and he wasn't even introduced for like five years. <laughs> but he uh, was right, like a right. cool character, and he wasn't like I mean, a great character with a great yeah. story done by the the top two people at the company. So he was done well, but like ahead of his time would have been like if one of the Fantastic Four was black. Right, right, right. It's it was um was Star Trek the original Shatner Star Trek ahead of its time? Like that's pretty. I mean, you know, I, I should say we're got the, the last two people to try to figure this out. Well, I but I'm it, speaking as a we're our two white dudes, but I'm speaking as like a science fiction fan. Like when I was a kid, like ten, and I was a fan of like the original Star Trek. That was like one of the things that you were taught about it is like, oh yeah, this is the future, and like you know, earth has like overcome a lot of its problems with racism and yes, uh, I think misogyny. Definitely. That was like, that was, that was what it was trying to tell you about the enterprise. For sure. The narrative of that show was that it was ahead of its time for a science fiction show. I don't think really had, uh, different races in it at all. Probably it was all white dudes and robots. Yeah. So to have it be like, Oh yeah, it's not just white guys or some aliens. Instead it's like, Oh no, there's, you know, Uhura and Sulu and Chekhov. Chekhov. And just like, yeah, a mixture of, I mean, still mostly white guys, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But less so. But I mean, I, I gotta, I can't remember, but Star Trek came out like the Mod Squad was a show. Um, I yeah. Spy had already existed. Like there were shows where they were, these characters were on equal footing to some extent. But I guess when you love something, you want it to be a force for moral good in all ways. And I love Marvel Comics. Um, but I certainly don't know like what the reaction to it was or how it felt like it's, it definitely, the story I've always heard is that it like, it's like, Oh, this is progressive of star Trek. Yeah. I hope that's true. I hope it's true too. Uh, okay. We get to the big moment of our issue. Yes. Um, here's some representation of black costume. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> um, so we have, uh, uh, Thor has a, a, a new helmet and a new cape because this helmet and cape got destroyed when he got disintegrated <laughs> this, by Ultron. These two pages are crazy. Um, they're coming out of a room and Spider-Man in his torn up costume. <laughs> hey, Thor, your, your cape's back and your hat. It's not really a hat, but that's okay. Uh, but how? Unless you've got a, a haberdasher. haberdasher who makes a fortress calls. That's a fun joke. If, also a pretty good joke. Yeah. Jim, Jim Shooter's pretty good at the Spidey dialogue. Uh, I don't know why Hulk's there, but Hulk just goes, it's in there, Spider-Man. You just think into it, and it produces any sort of cloth or costume you want. And it's a room filled with machines. <laughs> All very random looking. No labels. <laughs> so he just goes to one at random, puts his head in it, and just starts hitting buttons. Yeah. Uh, he concentrates into like this sort of mad scientist dome. A little black ball of goo comes out, and he touches it. And his spider and it- sense goes off. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and it spreads but across. But then once it starts grabbing his arm, the spidey sense goes away. Yep. It spreads across him. It uh, covers him up. And he's surprised it doesn't look like his original costume because, you know, Thor's cape and helmet looked just like Thor's cape and helmet. 
he assumes it's because he was thinking of the new Spider-Woman, whose costume is a very similar to this. Yeah. Which I guess at this time was true. Yeah, that's a good explanation. And so he, we've got the new Spidey costume, but just as he's got it, the issue ends. Yep. Because Professor X tells the non-X-Men heroes uh, Galactus is devouring the planet. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of this issue, Will Hines? I love it. I love the whole series. I'm on board with Secret Wars. It's really fun. It's really fun. I, I do think, like, if they if they had known what this black costume was going to be, I weirdly think it wouldn't have happened in Secret Wars. It would have happened in it in a thing that was just about the costume. I mean, it's this becomes, you know, one of the main Spider-Man villains, one of the great villains of Marvel Comics. Such is being a, born right here. An important I mean, part. They do not yet know yet. They don't have that story worked out at all, but. This is the beginning of Venom. It's such an important part of Spider-Man mythos. And then like when like the 90s Spider-Man cartoon came around, I think they were just like, how do we get the costume in here? I guess we got to do Secret Wars. I mean, I think they did something else, but it's like, there's a tiny part of you that's like, how do you, now how do you do this origin story? Yeah. Uh, how do you do this story of Spider-Man without getting involved in this very complicated universe-wide thing? Yeah. Uh, and I think it's always hurt the Venom costume to some extent. Like, no matter when he's been adapted, it's always like an alien comes to Earth. We got to somehow get it on Spider-Man and have him not get rid of it. Yeah. Like, here it makes sense he wouldn't get rid of it. He got it. Everyone else was using a similar costume machine. He thinks. He's on an alien planet. He doesn't have another outfit. Yeah. Uh, and it works. And it doesn't seem to be doing anything wrong. And it gives him web shooters, we learn, next issue. So it's like... It makes sense he would keep it, but like in every other movie, it's like, oh, this goo covered my costume. Oh, yeah, Spidey hasn't had web shooters yes. since the um, Hulk holding up the mountain because they used them to help amplify Iron Man's armor. Yeah, flip through the next couple pages of the of the next issue to where you see Spider-Man. Uh, it's a very fun moment where he, uh, it's like six or seven pages in, he like hops through the hallways. He's bouncing around going, Yahoo! I've got my webs back and he webs Johnny Storm in the face, which is a very fun way for him to let us know he got his webs back. Oh, uh, yeah. It was very fun. Uh, and Johnny hates it. Johnny's mad, but those two are sort of friendly rivals. So that's really fun. Frenemies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like a really, really cool moment. Um. The, the black costume is also very interesting because, like, nobody knew what its deal was. Like, nobody knew what its deal was. And I'm not talking about fans. I'm talking about Jim Shooter the and creators. Jim Roger Shooter, yeah, Stern they, and uh, Mike Zach. Who eventually did it? Was it David Michelin? Like, who, So who? thank you for asking, Will. You walked right into my trap. Okay. Uh, I've been looking into this um, all week, and I'm okay. pretty sure Tom DeFalco gets credit for it. He definitely was okay. writing the issue where it was revealed to be a symbiote, the issue where Reed Richards tells uh, Johnny, it is. Um, you mean Peter? Uh, yes, it tells Peter it, and and Johnny. Johnny's there, but yes, he tells Peter it is. Uh, Ron Friends was the artist at the time. Ron Friends says like nobody told us this. Tom DeFalco just decided it. Um, yeah, because like they started writing this costume, and as I mentioned a few episodes ago, they were like, oh, everyone hates this costume. Let's not keep it around. So like Tom DeFalco had to start thinking like, oh, how do I get rid of this costume and eight issues. Um, yeah. And, and I think he cooked up this symbiote thing. He cooked up this whole idea of it, like in controlling him while he was sleeping and making Spider-Man. It was exhausted. so creepy. Like, and yeah. And it's, that's really cool. I think Tom DeFalco doesn't get enough credit for being great. 
I think he gets a lot of credit for being good, but that's great. Yeah. That's really great. It's funny. There, there are, oh, in like these um, collaborative, like um, creative companies, there's often these people who are like so, so good and crucial, but like they, for whatever reason, don't become the names that you know. I'm thinking like how in Saturday Night Live, there's that guy, Jim Downey, who like wrote for the show for like, I don't know, 25 years and like did a lot of the political stuff and wrote a lot of the great sketches. And a lot of the people who've been involved with SNL, like, oh yeah, Jim Downey is one of the reasons why SNL was good when it was good or whatever. And, um, you know, Motown, they talk about, uh, like James Jamerson, the bass player who, um, or just the funk brothers, which was this three person, or I don't know if it was three, but this like little rhythm section that played in all the Motown records, but you don't necessarily know their names, but they were crucial to just Motown yeah. tracks being so reliably good. And yeah, Tom DeFalco, like, and I'm sure there's other names yeah. that we could that we don't know that are like part of the marvel comics i mean tom has had a hugely long career he's done tons of books uh, he was editor briefly i mean he's like he got his due in the sense of like he got work but when you when people talk about like the great writers on spider-man like, D- ditko is yeah like you know ditko and kirby and lee are the names everybody everybody knows and for spider-man you hear stern and john romita jr you might hear ron friends that you should mm-hmm. run friends is amazing. Um, yeah. You hear McFarlane. Of course. Uh, but like you don't hear DeFalco in that same breath. And yeah. he's like, in my mind, right next to those guys. I mean, if he came up with what became Venom, that alone is a, is, is enough to put you in the pantheon of Spidey creators. I mean, a lot of what he was doing was like juggling the stuff that Roger Stern left behind, but I think he juggled it really well, I guess, in my mind. But that's yeah. basically where it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, it also is kind of interesting that another th- interesting, interesting thing about Secret Wars is just like Shooter just kind of threw a bunch of stuff against the wall without thinking it through in terms of consequences or <clears throat> giving it. You, you would think it would really fail hard. Yes. Like <clears throat> the complete recklessness, the like lack of planning, you know, just be like, make the Hulk blue or whatever. Yeah. You'd think this but, costume would be, there's no way this costume is going to pay off. But it pays off big time. Like most things don't pay off, right? Hobgoblin doesn't really pay off. He's just a cool villain for a while and then he sort of fades gone. away. Uh, and that's true for yeah. like most things uh, that are like mysteries or, or surprises or twists. Um, yeah. Uh, it's tough to get those like, I mean, there's more than that. I mean, people will be writing in now being like, well, this paid off and this paid off. And I'm sure like the, the green goblin secret identity sort of being Norman Osborn that, you know, that became a huge important part it of became the important, mythology. But like, it wasn't like when that was revealed, you were like Norman Osborn. You're like, Oh yeah, <laughs> that guy. Well, that maybe is a similar thing though. It, it, a lot of great stories. Sure. Came out yeah. Of that. Um, I guess it's easier when it's like, I didn't create green goblin. <laughs> Ditko sort of threw this character in and threw Norman Osborn in. Let's just connect those two dots. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes, um, I mean, the Silver Surfer is an example maybe of like the look came first and then they built it it's, up into It's a the Marvel character. method, right? It's uh, idea, then plot, then script. Yeah. Uh, so it's idea first. And it's like, we'll make sense of that idea later. Let's have the Inhumans. Right. Who are they? I don't know. <laughs> How are they different than the mutants or the superheroes? Uh, not totally clear. Yeah. They're weirder. <laughs> right. And maybe more useless. Let's bring Captain America back. The- Why? I don't know. He was cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, um, and yeah, and it just sort of works. Yeah. Hulk status quo changing constantly, you know. I do think about that whenever somebody attacks Marvel Comics for like insane decisions, like the, the whole clone saga of the 90s, um, which I didn't really read and I've heard it's like bad, but, and I'm, I don't dispute that. But at the time they thought of it, they're they're working at a company where a lot of crazy big stuff is just started. Yeah. And then you assume it'll work out as you do also, it. So I Also, even at that time, definitely at the time of this black costume, as I said with the Secret Wars things, things weren't collected. There weren't digital copies. It was back issues. It was just really, eh, if it's bad, you'll forget about it and it'll be gone. Yeah, that's true. If it's good, it'll you'll it'll work, and if it's bad, it'll just fade away. Like a bad issue didn't matter as much back then. Now, if you've got like a couple bad issues or a dumb idea, you're sort of living with it, and it's like, oh, we still got to collect it. Yeah. So we better just cancel it and start a new series, and we'll just kind of <laughs> collect it cheaply and try to we'll package it with some reprints or something. Yeah. And it's it's uh, and everyone will know what happened, and no one will ever forget. Like that's the thing in right. Spider-Man comics. Uh, he gets married. And then his marriage gets undone by Mephisto. And that happened now. Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know how long ago. Uh, what year? Um, I'm going to Google it. The real 90s or the aughts? Uh, after the 90s. Aughts. Ultimate era time. So that's like 15 years ago-ish. Uh, let's see. Spider-Man. One more day. Here we are. Nothing. 2007. Uh, so that's so th- 14 years. 14 years ago. That's a long time. Yeah. But because like, like there's gotta be a lot of people reading Spider-Man comics that did not read that comic when it came out. That yeah. started after it. There's gotta be a ton of people, but there's also a ton of people who read that comic. And then there's, it's also just like constantly talked about. It's collected. It's a volume you can buy. People don't like yeah. it, but it's there and it's harder to forget about for people. They're just sort of like, Oh, that story was so terrible where in my mind, I'm like, yeah, that story was terrible. But then like the next story was good. Right. So, like, it was a bad story that got me to a good story. I guess I don't care. Yeah. Um, because that's, when I came up, that often happened. It would be like, bad story, bad story. Ooh, good stories. Right, right. You get less precious about every single thing being great. If every story was bad, it's, it's also, I think, why I collected things longer. I'd go through more bad issues back then. I'd be like, oh, six bad issues. That's going to get good again. It always does. And then if it didn't, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I just bought this for a year of bad comics. <laughs> I can remember that with Power Pack. Power Pack was so good. And then we'd get bad and get have some good stuff and be bad, bad, bad. And I was like, that's been bad forever. Yeah. Uh, now I have to stop buying this and I've just like wasted all this money on this comic. But now I feel like yeah. the comic's bad for like three issues. I'm like, they lost it. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, standards have gone up, I guess. Yeah. Same thing for TV shows, right? Like a bad episode of a TV show is tougher to sit through. I know. I know. It's crazy. Like people are like, where is this? What's the season arc? Yeah. So I was like, season arc. Did you ever watch Cheers? There's no season arc. It's like Stranger <laughs> Things. What do you think of that show? That one episode in season two where they follow 11 is terrible. I'm like, yeah, it's one episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, I like that I like that episode but, too. But, like <laughs> but I know that got singled out as like, it did like break tone. It was yeah. like, not tone, but it was, it was like a change of pace. Yeah. But it has like very little after effect. It's like... I don't know if, if that's your only problem with the show. I think you like the show. Right. Anyway, um, um, I don't know what my point of any of that stuff was. You want to read emails? Yes. Do we, are we supposed to pick our favorite moments from these uh, issues? I don't think we've been doing that because we're picking favorite moments from the issue we don't cover. That's right. Okay. Let's get to the email. Unless you want to. Is there a favorite moment? I love the whole thing. <laughs> Bad choice. <laughs> um, I like none of those moments. <laughs> 
Uh, we have another email from Tony Labra. Uh, I'm enjoying the current season because it's in my wheelhouse. I collected Secret Wars back in the day, but my little brother sold the entire run to the neighborhood friends while I was away at college. Yep, including Ooh. number eight, a.k.a. Black Costume Intro. Will, has Ooh. Kevin ever done anything so outrageous that you wanted your parents <laughs> to drop him off at an orphanage? <laughs> Jeez Louise. No, Kevin um, is five years younger than me, so even though now that just makes us, you know, the same old, yes, washed up. Mm-hmm. But when we were kids, it was quite a big difference. So, you know, I feel like you were too much younger than me to, what could you do? You had no power over me. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Well, when you find no, out. There was, there was nothing like that. Also, we were all pretty well-behaved just humans, it would be not like like us to do that, right, Kevin? Am I re- misremembering our childhood? Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we weren't, we never did anything wrong. We were wimps. We were babies. Yeah. We were uh, pathetic. Is that what your point was? Um, that's not quite how I was saying it, but <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't contradict what I was saying. Uh, do you remember when I ate the Skittles out of your bag on your desk? No. You were really mad at me for a long time about that. I was thinking, I think I was more likely to do something to upset sure, Kevin uh, than the other way around. I would come home and your friends would have eaten all the snacks in our house. That happened a lot. Was, or a couple that times. That was just Mike. And um, just a couple times. But it would be very irritating to come home from school and be like, oh, what am I going to have a snack? Oh, everything's gone. And I can't play Nintendo because your friends are playing it. Yeah. And you're like in the other room probably. <laughs> yeah. So it was me. I was the, yeah. the one who should have been dropped off at the orphanage. But then you also had friends who took us to movies when you weren't around. So I don't know. It was weird relationships all around. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, Kevin never sold my comics. We were, I think, pretty respectful of each other's comics. I mean, certainly we started reading them at the same time. Um, you were, And then I kind of stopped. Yeah. Well, maybe I started a little before, but we were both in it pretty early. You'd be more likely to sell your comics and upset me because I always like I would read your comics all the time. And if you just got rid right, of them, right. I couldn't be mad at you because they were yours, but I'd be like, ah, I, now I can't read the John Byrne FF series. Um, right. I, I did. Yeah. I, Kevin, um, at some point I stopped reading comics, basically. I never totally, totally stopped, but I, I stopped reading them like week to week. And like when I was in college, I guess there was no comic shop in my campus. And Kevin never stopped his whole life, I think, has gotten comics every week. So I'm getting comics right now. Somewhere in there, I was willing to sell all of my comics because I I just really I didn't need them. The only ones I wanted to keep were my Frank Miller Daredevils. I thought I would have kept the John Byrne Fantastic Fours, but maybe I didn't. Uh, You gave me everything at some point and then except for like a half box that you said to keep. Yeah, uh, which I might also have, but a separate. But I think maybe that I think maybe you got that box. I don't know for sure. I think I took it. Yeah. I got the the Miller Daredevil. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, and there's a couple others I think I set aside since then that maybe I gave to you, maybe I didn't. But uh, but some of your comics I have gotten rid of because I'm trying to get rid of single issues because like I have yeah. collections of those burn ones, so I would get rid of the burn ones probably if I had. Sure, them. sure, sure. Anything that I have another version to read of, I, I just don't need. Yeah, we're not like collectors where we need like the first printing of something. We just want to read the stories. So if we have a good version of the stories, we're good. I need space more than I need uh, three copies of a comic. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Tony goes on. Uh, hey, you mentioned that. Oh, here we go. Hey, you mentioned that John Burns FF run may be a future season, uh, but would a uh, uh, but what it include when he came on board as an artist on issue 209 with Marv Wolfman as the writer? 
Uh, John took a break for issue 219 and strangely was back for issues 220 and 221 and then off again. Or are you more apt to jump to issue 232 where he not only took on writing and penciling but inking too? Uh, by the way, Byrne is never better than his massive stretch through issue 293, but I did miss Joe Sinnott's inking. He was the bridge between the old Kirby era, the slew of artists, and the slew of artists that came afterwards. Uh, the one direction I never cared for was having Johnny become involved with Alicia Masters. I can't put my exact finger on why, but it felt unnatural for me. Uh, and then he uh, uh, has a link to a blog about the John Byrne era of FF. And uh, that's it. So, uh, yeah, I think if we covered it, Will's main thought is we're never going to cover an entire run again. Yeah. So we for sure would not cover the ones he just drew that Marv Wolfman wrote. I consider the burn error to be 232. Like, that's the four elemental one. That, to me, is when the John Byrne era starts. Yeah. Um, when he's writing it, that's the John Byrne era. His art was a big part of it, but like his writing he is wrote, what drew made it good. Inked it. I didn't know that he wrote anything before that issue. Is that what, is that what Tony is saying? Uh, he's saying he drew it. Yeah, so, no, it's when Byrne starts writing it. Like, 232 is the beginning of the Byrne era. I mean, anything before that, he's just Byrne, the mercenary artist. And I think um, I think Byrne was supposed to draw Spider-Man at some point. I think he was supposed to be the penciler on Spectacular Spider-Man around that same time. Uh, but he just didn't have time to ink and pencil and do another book. Because he was a guy who would do yeah. two books at once. Those those early FF John Byrne stories are so good, I think, yeah. and I think they hold up. They're like cool little short stories. Um, and the Johnny Alicia thing worked for me. I mean, I think it was damaging long term, but in the moment, I think it really worked for me. It worked for me too. It really shocked me, but I kind of thought it was cool. I I don't know. I I, I not cool, but like interesting. Like I I um, it was impactful. Yes. It also kept um, the thing from joining, rejoining the team for a while, uh, which seemed to be yeah. serve the purpose of John Byrne's plans. Um, I mean, to get out of it was tough, and to get things back where they are was complicated and weird. Yeah. Um, but in the moment, I remember thinking like, oh, wow, anything can happen. So. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, uh, uh, we'd probably cover like six issues of it. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it would be tough for us because we love so many of the issues. But we could we could find six representative that would cover a lot of the types of stories that we loved, I Pick think. Pick them right now, Will. I'm not going to hold you to them. Okay, I would do um, the Invisible Woman issue where she becomes the Invisible Woman. Uh, the Trial of uh, Reed Richards. I think that was a two-parter, so I'd pick part two. Um I would do the one where this is a weird one where Johnny cleans up the reputation of a high school buddy who got accused of murder. Okay. It's like, it's like, I think it's the second or third issue that Byrne ever did, but I really love it. And I think it's a good example of a self-contained short story that Byrne was good at. Um, maybe when we see doom's face mm -hmm. and, um, probably the human torch gasoline can one. I don't know. That might be a weird pick, but the ones that jumped to mind for me are tiny town. Oh yeah. I thought it. Yes. Uh, the, the, uh, Franklin growing up. Oh, right. Ooh I, yes, that's gotta be, in um, there. and, um, uh, you just made me think, Oh my gosh, that's a good story. And you just made me think of one other one that I'm forgetting right now. Um, 
What did you uh, What did you suggest again? Say them again. I said, um, "Trial of Reed Richards." The when yeah. Sue Storm becomes the Invisible Woman. Uh, you show Doctor Doom's face. Uh, the, this little oh, short oh. story one. Where, Did, wasn't it the one where he launches him into space again? Uh, Doom. He Doom repli- uh The the second Doom launches Baxter. Building? Launches the Baxter Building into space because he's like, oh, yes, I know yes, why this didn't work. That's a fun one too. He repeat he repeats uh, his plan from like whatever issue five of FF six. Yes. Um, Sorry that I know yeah. that. God, I can't. Believe but that's I just like very fun. That that's a fun issue. I remember that worst was moment of my life that I just did that. Uh, <laughs> it's issue six. It's a inked by Chick Stone and uh, ably lettered by Sam Rosen. Uh, not his best lettering, but I had top eight. <laughs> but it, but it was issue six. Um, uh, so those are the ones that jumped to my mind. So we'd have to pick. We'd have to figure it out. Yeah, we'd be able to do it though. I don't think so. Maybe uh, how about the She-Hulk centerfold one where she's she's filmed she's photographed topless. It's memorable, but I don't remember the story much beyond. <laughs> just, it's very burned. It's very yeah. 80s. It's like this slimy, yeah. you know, hustler, uh, whatever, like Larry Flint type. Yeah, of she guy. like she bathes <laughs> nude on top See, of the Baxter building. Nude on the top of the Baxter building, and they get a picture of her. Yeah. Uh, we have an email from Eric Tenoy. Okay, friend of the pod, friend of the people. Uh, hello, Silk Mops. He says, nice, nice. I'm excited to finally find out the story of Secret Wars. I think it was winding up just as I first got into comics and I somehow ended up owning only issues seven and eight. Since I had no way to find out what happened in the other issues, it was very confusing. My memory is that they focused heavily on Lizard Claw and Absorbing Man, who I'd never even heard of. totally wrong in this issue. They're they're a big part of this issue. Uh, But it's possible that we had lost some pages and those three characters were featured in it. The the pages uh, were featured in the pages that survived, which is why I remember them being a big part of it. Even with all the explanatory notes and expository dialogue, I find it hard to follow sense. I'd never read any Marvel comics before. And I also think those issues, the recaps are getting less and less as it goes on. Yeah. Uh, Overall, your description of the early issues so far reminds me a bit of the Avengers Infinity War Endgame movies. I'm wondering if they were inspired by Secret Wars or perhaps later comic runs that were inspired by Secret Wars influenced the movies. Early in Infinity War, a big ring-shaped things show up on Earth and whisk away many superheroes, just like in Secret Wars. Plus, you have fun moments of Spider-Man introducing himself to other characters. And then in Endgame, Hulk holds up the building to protect the other heroes, just like he holds up the mountain in issue four. I'm curious if you came across any other parallels as he read through the issues. Uh, do you want to respond to that first? Well, he's got a little bit more after that. You you know better than me. I mean, I feel like Secret Wars is on any Marvel fan's mind when they do a big group of heroes yeah. getting together. I think the characters introducing themselves is just a necessity <laughs> of the story, less an homage to introductions from Secret Wars per se. The ring yeah. thing is interesting. I wonder if that was like a little tiny quiet nod in their mind. The Marvel movies are pretty good at those deep Easter egg cuts. Like, they really know their stuff, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the Hulk holding things up, I think that's just the Hulk does that a lot, too. I feel like that moment would have been milked more if it was really trying to homage the Hulk mountain moment. Yeah. But maybe. I wouldn't put it past the Russo brothers or Feige. Uh, is it Feige or Feige? I don't know how to pronounce it. Me either. We don't know how to say anybody's yeah. name involved yeah, in that. His first name's Kevin. I got that one down. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I don't notice those things, Eric. Um, so I'm no help to you. Um, I don't really notice any homages to Secret Wars, really. Uh, I mean, it's taken from the Infinity uh, Gauntlet story. 
Yeah. Um, and so there's homages to that. But even that right. are pretty light, I would say, other than like, you know, Thanos and snapping and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Civil War was a little bit more Secret Wars in vibe, the Civil War movie. Yeah. That had more of a Secret Wars vibe than Infinity Gauntlet to me. Uh, but I don't see it other than like, yeah, Secret Wars sort of inspired events. Yeah. And so then events inspired Infinity War, which in- inspired this movie. But like, I think it's pretty just like getting all the characters together is all that was really yeah. pulled from Secret Wars. Right. Um, anyway, Eric says, I have a few thoughts about how Spider-Man and Wasp defeated all of the X-Men so easily in issues three and four. Okay. Uh, number one, the X-Men are afraid of insects and insect-inspired heroes. <laughs> okay, I, that's true. I guess uh, Wasp and Spider-Man. Seems like it. The evidence is there. Uh, number two, the X-Men are more adept at fighting teams of villains where they each take on one individual foe. In fighting Spider-Man and the Wasp, they're flustered because they, because they can't all attack at <laughs> once or they risk injuring their teammates in the crossfire. It's like in Princess Bride where Under the Giant tells the dread pirate Roberts that he's used to fighting groups of men in brawls where the tactics are different, which is why he has trouble with one-on-one combat. Or it's like a pop fly that three infielders converge on and in the confusion, nobody catches it. Whereas each player could have easily caught the ball if the others weren't around. That's actually a pretty good argument. I was at the beginning of that. I was like, that's dumb. But then I got one over. I think they're just easily defeated by insects. Okay. Uh, Looking at your Instagram, I realized that another really confusing thing about Secret Wars for me was that I assumed Wasp and Molecule Man were connected like the Wonder Twins or North Star and Aurora from Alpha Light because they had matching costumes. They're both in green. Oh, yeah, uni- they do. They're both in green uniforms with purple pointy shoulder trim and purple boots and belts. It's weird that they're not related. <laughs> He's right. Those costumes do look a lot alike. The Wasp changes costumes very often, but yeah, in that moment. But also her costume kind of makes a W and his makes an M, but those letters look alike. <laughs> Maybe they are connected. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have an email from Michael Sazabo. Mm-hmm. Hello again, cowards. Nice. Uh it's been a while since my last correspondence. I asked what your favorite event comics were, and now you're d- diving deep into one of my favorites. As a lifelong Spider-Man fan, I always feel like he was treated well. Have you ever seen the 90s Spider-Man cartoon version of The Secret Wars? It's very similar, except Spidey is obviously the center of attention. He decides who comes to Battle World to fight the bad guys and maneuvers them like chess pieces. I ask this because I genuinely love it and hope you do too. The one thing that you guys have not made clear is... How you know each other. Maybe one day you'll address it on the show. Until next time, <laughs> Milk Sops. Uh, Kevin, you talked about I've never seen I've never this. Seen so it. What's your I know what is? happens. Uh, I've seen. you never seen it? Not that episode or those episodes. Oh, wow. I watched some of the first season or two of the that Spider-Man cartoon and didn't like it. And I know everyone loves it and it made so many people Spider-Man fans and I appreciate that. But I found it bad. Uh, Kevin's very fussy about his spider stuff. And I... And I uh, Certainly couldn't watch it now because I would have no nostalgia for it. So I would just see it as like a dated cartoon. Um, so like I could rewatch the 66 cartoon. I think it was 66 around there um, because like, uh, well, I don't know if they're good or bad, but like they're fun for me and they remind me of being a kid. And I think there's yeah. aspects of them that I do think are good for their time. But that, that Spider-Man car- cartoon just didn't work for me. It also came yeah. to the 90s when I was... Um, 15, 16, right? Uh, no, weren't you in college in the mid nineties? Uh, I, I started early nineties. So I think I was oh, at okay. home, but so like, I don't know. Okay. I still watched some cartoons, but like I wasn't watching a ton. I was watching, mm-hmm. you know, 
I watch more cartoons than most 16 year olds, but less <laughs> than uh, uh, most 12 year olds. The brief time of your life where you were not constantly absorbing comic books and cartoons. Yeah, I mean, it, it, me not watching cartoons didn't stop me when Batman the Animated Series came on the stage. <laughs> like, that was like, ooh, I'm watching but something this. had to be like that, that good to, yes. to get your attention. Um, so I, I just, I didn't watch it. And I, I heard that they did Secret Wars. And I was like, oh, okay, it makes sense. That, shit, that cartoon always felt busy to me. It felt like too much happened too fast. So, sorry, Michael, I have no opinion of it. <laughs> and I never saw it, so I don't know. We have two more, Will. You ready for it? I am. This one's from Tim. I'm sure he has a last name, but uh, I'm not going to uh, make one up. Okay. My name is Tim. Oh, there we go. Uh, I'm the younger brother of Benjamin Ordung. Oh, uh, so Tim Ordung solved this mystery. Okay. Uh, Ben's the guy who wrote us all those emails. Well, do you remember them? You're the history context. Uh, Tim tells us he's not going to do that. Uh, This email is long. I mean, I liked it fine, but (laughs) be your own man. I say, yeah, Uh, I'm going to skip this middle section. Uh, It's a long email. Uh, That being said, uh, when I was growing up, I loved the Hulk and Punisher. Never read a single issue of Hulk. (laughs) Uh, But Ben gave me uh, 100 or so Punisher comics and it was awesome. Never really had much interest in reading anything else for some reason. Uh, and then he talks about reading Walking Dead and a comic called Chew and then Ben Templesmith comics like 30 Days of Night. Uh, sort of talks about the comics he likes. He didn't read a lot of superhero stuff, it sounds like. And that's totally okay. cool. Totally fine. Yes. Uh, then he goes into Fantastic Four. I do, however, watch all the superhero movies and TV shows. Ben and I talk about those whenever we hang out. Since I don't know origin stories or anything else from the comics, I don't get mad when something is wrong or changed. I either love it or hate it. Uh, I did like the first two Fantastic Four movies. I'm not saying they're good. I just think they're a very interesting team and that we all ha- and that's all we have so far. Uh, I haven't bothered with the most recent. Uh, no need. I, I like, I mean, that's a healthier attitude to watch these things and not get too hung up on yes. how it relates to the original comics. Uh, Secret Wars. You talked about how they might make this series into a movie. I think we talked about how somebody said they might. I don't think we have any inside knowledge. Uh, Have you seen the movie Predators? Another movie people hated. Starts with a bunch of random badass types getting dropped on a planet and you slowly learn who they are with no origin stories. If they started a Secret Wars movie like that, you could introduce the Fantastic Four gradually within the agonizing and inevitable reboot. We already know all the other MCU players, and if they had Ben Grimm as a human, they could have four random human people that turned out to be awesome, and then they can have their own movie. There's something there, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think it's better just to start the FF in their own movie personally. Um, yeah. Give them, give them attention and time that they need. I think it's also tougher to do a movie like that where it's like, uh, these are characters that are being dropped in, but all the fans know who they are already. So they're like mysteries to the movie, but not really. Yeah. It's tricky. It's like, I'm watching this WandaVision show and, uh, People who've like read casting announcements know like whenever they hear a voice or see somebody like, well, that's this character from the comics. And that like takes a lot of it out of you. Yeah. And they'd be better suited if they're completely new characters to some extent for surprises. Yeah. Um, Anyway, thanks for the email, Tim. I think that's there's some cool idea there. Uh, I don't know if I could make it work. Yeah. And uh, uh, we have another email from Justin Bridge. This is our last one. Well, yeah. Okay. He defends my love of Hawkeye. <laughs> uh, he's probably the first Marvel hero without any power or special equipment. I guess Tony also doesn't have any innate power, but the armor is more than just a special gun or something. 
Uh, yeah. I loved him in the Avengers cartoon that Kevin mentioned. Uh, uh, you know, you pointed out that Hawkeye split a giant piece of machinery that Titania threw, but I wanted to point out that it's a direct callback to issue three where She-Hulk mocked Hawkeye when during the storm, he said he wanted to go outside so he could destroy some of those giant boulders and debris that were being tossed around by the storm. So he does like make a comment that, yeah, like if he had the right arrow, he could take down those boulders. Oh uh, yeah. Good point, Justin. You're right. Issue four proved him right. Uh, I thought it was humorous when you pointed out that Doom was wary that the heroes were actually not dead as his previous appearances. It'd be pretty funny if Doom was the self-aware and realized he's a comic character. Uh, <laughs> he talks about uh, that he agrees that Doom is the focus of this. I'm going to skip that part. Um, he talks about Magneto's abs. You want to hear this part, Will? You know I do. Of course he has abs. Look at it from his point of view. He's mostly alone, plotting to save mutants. Of course he's hitting the gym. Uh <laughs> He had also been de-aged and re-aged. He's in the prime of his life. He just tried. <laughs> he had just tried hitting on Cyclops' recent rebound uh, uh, wife uh, or, or girlfriend, a human scandal. I don't remember this because I didn't read those comics. I think he's working to get. A, he's working out to get the ladies. No wonder he kidnaps the wasp. He's looking to score. He made her a comb <laughs> out of metal particles in the area. In the area, I assume. Did you notice the raised etching? Come on. This is truly not a master of magnetism, but a, what a craftsman. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, are the Wrecking Crew... Here's another thing about the Wrecking Crew. Are they thugs? Yes. Are they my favorite villain team? Yes. Uh, they're such a-holes. I love them. Crazy strong, mostly stupid, all that power and no imagination. And I like them hanging out with Absorbing Man. It's fun to see them chilling. And then he argues that Thor would beat Superman because he's magic. I'm not going to get into that. Um, and he likes the idea of the FF web slinging around the city. Uh, so thanks, Justin. Lots of stuff there. I kind of skimmed through some of it, uh, but really yeah. fun. I still say Superman would beat Thor even with magic. Superman just wins. He's Superman. Yeah, yeah you can't beat him. Uh, I don't need a reason. He's Superman. That's why he wins. Uh, if you want to email us, email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. Yes, and we have an Instagram, Screw It Comics, and we have a Twitter, Screw It Comics. Those are the main ways to contact us on social media. Uh, This one went long, huh, Will? Yeah. Well, I talked too much. We had really important stuff to say, and now you've all heard it. Um, Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, See you next time for uh, the uh, penultimate episode of this season. Yeah, see you next episode, everyone. Bye. Screw it, screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. Hi, my name is Lauren Ash. You may know me from starring in TV shows like Superstore or She-Ra or Scare Tactics. And I'm her sister, Christy Oxborough, semi-professional researcher and fully certified internet sleuth. And together, we are the hosts of True Crime and Cocktails, your new favorite true crime deep dive podcast. In season one of our show, we extensively researched all of the new Netflix Unsolved Mysteries episodes. And beginning in January 2021, season two will be a famous fatalities edition. From mysterious celebrity deaths to famous unsolved cases, we'll be bringing you more boozy true crime combos. So put on your PJs, pour yourself a drink, and join our true crime slumber party. New episodes of True Crime and Cocktails drop every Tuesday. Campfire.